Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every fan passion, uh, every group meeting, and every just random thing that nerds like to do is is uh, really crucial to our lives and to the stories that we continue to tell. Uh, I'm Michael, and with me, for the first time in a while now, is Mandy. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Michael. <laughs> it has been too long since we've recorded one of these things. It has been, but, you know, August was a crazy month for us. Yes, yes it was. And uh, included in that month was DragonCon. Yes, and for me, also Bubonicon. Fun. So uh, that means, you know, today, for our listeners, we're going to be talking about conventions and fandom and how awesome it is to meet other nerds and why it matters. <laughs> So, Mandy, tell, uh, I guess you've been to, you've been to a few cons now, and, uh, I guess tell our listeners why they matter to you and what's so awesome about them. So, I, uh, have been to six Dragon Cons now, uh, and Dragon Con was the first convention I ever went to. Um, and I remember specifically when it was, because uh, it was my third year in college, uh, so I was a junior. And uh, one of my friends had recently broken up with his girlfriend, and he didn't want to go to Dragon Con alone. So he asked me to go with him, and I was very skeptical. Um, at, at that point in my life, I was a huge nerd, as I've always been, uh, you know, a huge geek. But pretty much outside of my friends, I didn't really, you know get together with other fans uh most of my friends were fans of things so I, I didn't feel a need to you know seek out new life i guess uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i was raised in a geek family so i was always raised in an environment where geeky things were talked about so uh <laughs> I wasn't one of those people who had a hole for that in my life. So when I looked at conventions, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know what this is. You know, a lot of the, um, I guess, popular society view of conventions and stuff had been infringed on me. And I was like, you know, only weird people go to those things. Gosh, you know. <laughs> so um, then I went to Dragon Con and it was amazing. Um, it was it it was so just accepting. Uh, th- there's really no other way to put it. Like I was, I had found my people. Like I was there, and it, I, you know, I, I don't really like talking to strangers. But at the convention, I found I could talk to anyone because we had something to talk about automatically. Um, Anne McCaffrey also came to that uh, Dragon Con, which was her last Dragon Con, and uh, I remember I waited five hours for her autograph, but it didn't feel like five hours because you're standing in this line, and everyone you're talking to in the line uh, is also an Anne McCaffrey fan. So you spent five hours talking about Dragon Riders of Pern, <laughs> um, and it was just like this thing that just like completely fit. I, I, I didn't realize there was something missing in my life, but you know, conventions and that fan space was it. And, uh, after that I started, you know, looking at, you know, I would look forward to Dragon Con every year, but I also, you know, started getting into like geek websites, uh, you know, started following the different sites and getting into, you know, I don't, I, I still not much of a commenter online because <laughs> I, I feel like I can't always word what I want to say. Well, um, but and unlike just, most commenters, you care about how the things you say come across? 
Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, and, and I don't want to be misconstrued, which has happened a lot of the f- times I, I've commented, you know, because it, it's hard in a, in a comment to get across whether you're being sarcastic or sincere or, you know, whether you really mean this. And it's especially hard, you know, diving into fandom when you learn that your opinion is the less popular opinion. <laughs> so, which has definitely happened to me. <laughs> um, and that can cause people to just... Uh, attack you. Though I have found safe spaces on the web where even when you have less popular opinions, people uh, just accept you and accept that that is an opinion. Um, and I think that's the greatest thing about fandom is it's so accepting. And um, yeah, I love Dragon Con. How about you, Michael? What's your convention story? Well, what brought so you? <laughs> there is a, so let's step back a bit. Um, Dragon Con, for those who aren't familiar, is a gigantic nerd convention. Um, it's I mean, it's called Dragon Con because, you know, dragons are a big part of fantasy. But um, it's probably primarily largely uh, fantasy and science fiction, but there's every other nerd thing under the sun there. I mean, there's a science track. There are groups there who are like fans for Christ as well as the um, as well as the uh, skeptics group, which is the atheist like, you know, group of fans and they also have you know large gatherings for people to get together and think you know like-minded nerds to get together and think about and talk to each other and meet people who are similar to them um it's really it's one of the largest such conventions in the united states um mandy and i were talking about this this year at dragon con where uh it is not as big as comic con in san diego um but it is it's uh, perhaps behind Megacon in Orlando or perhaps ahead. I've actually heard a few different things since then about their comparable sizes, but uh, Dragon Con is in Atlanta, Georgia every year, and it's been there for decades now. Um, now, Mandy and I met, we became friends through college in Atlanta, which is when she started going to Dragon Con. And uh, I, on the other hand, I grew up here. I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and um, I went to high school. So my first time at Dragon Con was in high school. But it was not my first convention. Um, I actually went to Anime Weekend Atlanta uh, two times before my first Dragon Con um, because Anime Weekend Atlanta was a big anime convention, and in high school I got immensely into anime. Um, after I went to that a couple of times, some of my friends who had already been to Dragon Con were like, hey, Michael, you would also like this. And so I went to Dragon Con. Um, that said, Mandy, you said uh, this was your sixth Dragon Con? Yes. Okay, and three of them we've gone to together now, right? At least three. The last three in a row, I think? Um, yes. So I think you might be one ahead of me, because I, I went once in high school, and I think I went once in college, just once in college, and then not for a while until you talked me into it the next <laughs> time. Um, but uh, And normally I ended up waiting way too long and spending way too much money on the ticket, because I wait too close to when it's coming out. This year around, though... Um, I bought the ticket at half price because I bought my ticket as soon as they went on sale. Um, so I, I've learned my lesson. But uh, as much as I, I absolutely love Dragon Con, and granted, it's it's hard to judge things against um, situations you haven't experienced, but I really feel like from everything I understand from Comic-Con, like there's a lot of bigger stuff there, but I feel like I would enjoy Comic-Con less. Um, just because it's a lot less intimate it feels like i mean and it's odd to think that dragon con is intimate but it really sort of is um because as you said mandy like you know you said that 
you mentioned that there you found safe spaces on the web, and DragonCon is kind of like a safe space for for fans in person, and that's why a lot of these groups, like the Skeptics Group and the and the Fans for Christ, like that's why those groups exist at something like DragonCon as well, is because you know even fans of various you know nerd things they'll find that their opinions or their beliefs or their stances are unpopular amongst group but you can find an enormous group of people who understand and respect or even share that opinion or view at a place like dragon con and and, uh, and the great thing about that is not that just that those groups exist it's that they coexist and well at yes, dragon that's con absolutely like true. i have never heard of someone having a problem i have had christian friends go to the skeptics track just out of curiosity you know not certainly not going to you know convert or attack anybody and they felt safe in those environments you know yeah. they they didn't feel attacked and and that's a beautiful thing you know it is actually really funny i had a conversation at one of the points when we weren't hanging out um this year and i i was just sitting there talking to two random strangers as you do at dragon con and apparently <laughs> they were also random strangers to each other and they were talking and you know, talking about the various things that they liked and I, I shared in common with them. And then we were talking about where we were going to next. And I was going to be going to one of the panels that I was meeting you at. And the two of them were talking about the things that they were going to. <laughs> and one of them was like, oh, well, I'm going to this thing that the skeptics, you know, group is doing. And the other guy laughed. He was like, well, that's interesting. I'm actually going to the thing that the Fans for Christ group is doing. And they just kind of laughed and shook hands and, you know, apparently added each other on Facebook or and planned to get together because they're both locals, planned to get together soon. And that was that. And that's it, just a, it's a funny little thing because I, I see stuff like that all the time. You know, people... The types of people who go to something like Dragon Con are so used to people shutting them down that when they do meet someone who says something or, or or believes something that's completely opposed to them or disagrees with them on something, they're just like, oh, that's funny. Well, okay, um, we'll hang out on this other thing that we have in common later, you know? Um, and that was pretty cool. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the, the really, the big thing is that Dragon Con is kind of an embodiment of what is great about fandom in general is that you get people from all different walks of life who share a passion for some they're certainly going to share passions with something that that you also have a similar passion for but they're also going to have similarly strong passions on other things and because you everyone there is one of those people who has those really strong passions about things that they know are that, that we all know are irrational but we love them anyways <laughs> we are like you kind of start to latch on to other things. You learn other things that you could like as well. And it's just great to see people who are as passionate about some completely unrelated thing as you are about something. Um, and is the kind of thing where, you know, so-called regular people who are passionate about things and they just don't realize that they do, do the same thing about some other, other things. Like they might roll their eyes at when you start getting really heated or not, not heated, but really animated talking about something. And instead you're like, Oh, Look, this person talks about this thing just like I do. Uh, great. And, you know, sure, sometimes you have... Uh, so it, it's funny, also, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you had this idea that only weird people go to these sorts of things. And honestly, I don't think that's false. But it's... But it's, <laughs> but it's good, because, like, I'm weird in... And it's just a matter of how often that weirdness comes through, or how whether I am in the back of my mind, conscious of the fact that what I'm saying or doing is perceived as weird and letting it happen anyways in regular life while at Dragon Con, I, uh, 
prefer- proverbially let it all hang out, you know? So yes. <laughs> uh, you just kind of go and say what you say, what w- you want. And just like every single time you see somebody in a costume of like, you know, a kid's show that you really like, you're like, oh my gosh, that's the greatest thing. And you get all animated about it. And you know that they're actually making you feel, uh, you're making them feel good too. Like it's not weird to them or un- unwelcome, I guess is more the way to put it. It's not unwelcome that you are so enthusiastic about it, which sometimes getting really passionate about something is unwelcome in regular life. So, uh, definitely. So yeah. Um, and I, I guess the, to, to move this conversation forward, uh, one of the things that I have most liked about conventions, both at anime week in Atlanta, which I haven't gone to in years now, but, uh, more so at dragon con is how you can learn about new passions from, from them. Like, uh, Mandy, you and I, this year, we went to a Jim Butcher panel, and Jim Butcher is the author of The Dresden Files, which I am a huge fan of now, and I haven't even read the books. I have listened to the audiobooks. And yes, you had been recommending it to me for a while, but 100% of the reason that I actually ended up getting into The Dresden Files and then thoroughly enjoyed the panel this year is because of, was it last year's Dragon Con or the one before? That, is it only been a year? I think it was only. It might have only been a year. Yeah, so it's only been a year now. Where I was at a different panel, and um, it was a Joss Whedon Buffyverse um, panel where um, James Marsters, the actor who portrays who portrays Spike, was talking, and he uh, and people were asking them things and some while you and I were sitting there like some guy just goes up because he had James Marsters at a panel and he asked a question and he said hey uh, he you know I loved your work on the audiobooks for the Dresden files and as soon as he said that I was like well I like James Marsters and I turned to you and I was like wait is that that series you've been telling me about and you're like yeah it is <laughs> and then I hear James talk about how yeah there was just this one, you know, something happened where I couldn't record one of the books, but I'm back for the next one. I was like, you know what? I've been looking for something to occupy my time while I'm idle, so maybe I'll check out this audiobook series, because I like James Marsters, and I gave it a shot, and I loved it, and now I'm, you know, I'm pretty obsessed with the series, so... Um, yeah, I also like think that was the uh, the panel where I hadn't seen all of Buffy yet. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so we were there, and as soon as someone asked a, a Dresden Files question, I was like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> something I know something about. <laughs> so, uh, but so I have seen all of Buffy since then, just, just so our listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty fantastic, because stuff like that happens all the time. I mean, I, every year I come away from Dragon Con with recommendations from random people, as well as just learning new things about stuff that's coming up that I didn't know about before. And it's just a really good way. Cause as you know, a good nerd, I'm always looking for more, even though I already have too much media to consume, I'm always looking for more. <laughs> and, um, and just to kind of be aware of what's going on around, uh, you know, around me in the world of fantasy fiction, that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it yeah. is definitely great. Like, you know, let's say you go to, uh, you know me, I'm a huge Wheel of Time fan. So mm-hmm. let's say I go to a Wheel of Time panel, panel uh, which are always awesome. <laughs> uh, and then p- I discover people are talking about some other series of books. And then it's almost like this automatic recommendation, right? Because it's like, oh, you like Wheel of Time, so you will like this. You know? And, it, you know, without, without that, uh, I mean, I do read a lot of random books. <laughs> but I, I also love the pointed recommendations that come from going to something like this. It's like, oh, you like Jim Butcher? Then you will like this person too. Um, 
because it helps it helps us find other stuff we will love. Mm-hmm. And we do love the things we love <laughs> a lot. It, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and there's little other things too. I mean, um, this year I went with you to a panel on uh, dark themes in YA literature. Um, and young adult literature, and I'm I'm not I I struggle. I can't watch horror movies and horror video games. I cannot really do, um, but I can read horror comics fine, and I can actually within reason I can read scary literature. Uh, I have this weird thing where yes, I have a very vivid imagination, and I can picture things vividly, but I never get mental images if I don't want them. Um, it's you know the common thing that people do, or somebody will say something that's kind of gross, and people are like oh thanks for that mental image. Never an issue for me, ever. I, I've never had that problem because I just won't form a mental image until I want to. Um, and if I want to, it'll be really vivid. And so that's essentially what I do when I'm reading something that is scary. Um, I just turn off that part of my brain, the the visual part, which is funny because like the visual part is... I think that is the most active part of my imagination. Like that is what engrosses me the most into things. Um, so when I'm reading a, a really good novel, like I'm constantly visualizing the things that I'm, that I want to, and those are going to be the books that pull me in the best, uh, uh the, the most or the things that get me to really just picture everything that's going on. But I still do like the stories that are in some, in scarier literature, but I have to turn that part off because I just, I can't handle I can't handle the visuals, which is why movies and and really uh, scary video games just I I can't I can't get the visions out of my mind once they're there. Um, so um, and that's again when I have nightmares, it will be based on things I've already seen uh, rather than you know new images forming or anything like that. So, uh, but but anyways, I came away from the dark themes and young adult literature panel with several recommendations of things because I don't normally look for recommendations on that kind of. Uh, on that kind of thing, because I, it's hard as someone who's not huge on the genre. It's kind of, I tend to just stay away from it as a whole, but if people are explicitly recommending books, I can go for it. And so that was, that was not, and that was a panel I didn't even intend to go to. You were just going to go to it and I had nothing on my schedule at the time. So I tagged along. Um, well, it's fun stuff. Definitely. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and you know i came away from that panel with recommendations too because you know there there are books that i've heard of and in the ya section that i you know like oh that book looks interesting but i'll have never heard someone endorse it so i won't necessarily pick it up uh one such book was uh anna dressed in blood i've always seen it and i'm like well that's certainly a catchy title (laughs) (laughs) and it's always on the shelves but i was always just been like ah i don't know what it's about and i I'm really, I love YA, but I, I've been burned a couple times with books that are just way too much just romance books, and I'm not a huge romance book fan. Uh, so, and Anna Dressed in Blood is one of those books that tend to be shelved, in, at least at my Barnes & Noble, in the paranormal romance section. And mm-hmm. I was like, ugh, paranormal romance? No. Uh, but then, then I go to this panel, and you know, when Jonathan Mayberry and Victoria Schwab say it's a good book, then I'm like, oh. Well, I must read this book. And, you know, I purchased it the other day. I haven't read it yet, but I am planning on doing so. So, you know, even when it's something that I've heard of it or know about it, just hearing other people talk about it can help, you know, convince you whether you should or shouldn't, uh, whether it's the right book for you, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's actually a thing that 
Um, so that, that made me think of, and it's, this is sort of an aside, but I do digress a lot, um, because that's just the way my brain works. Um, that you were talking about thinking that the title was interesting, but you don't really know much about it and you're waiting for an endorsement. And, uh, that makes me think of the, the, the literal meaning of the, of the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, which I never do, but that's positive or negative. Like at this point, I've finally gotten to the point where I'm so overwhelmed by all the media I have to consume that I won't, I will no longer start on something because it looks interesting because there's just too much to end up wasting my time just because something looks interesting and there's just such disparate quality, quality everywhere. So I, at this point I sort of need endorsements for everything, um, in order to commit the time to it when I could commit to something else that I know will be good, you know? Um, Definitely. Or at least trust it will. So it, so that's a great way of doing things because when it comes down to it, in a lot of ways, in pretty much every medium, like just because of the sheer population growth and how much easier it is for people to get their work out there, we have there's never been as much good stuff out there as there is now, but there's also never been as much bad stuff out there as there is now because there's just more stuff out there than there ever has been before and constantly coming out at an accelerating rate. And, you know, there was a time, you know, 60 years ago, you could probably be someone who read every single fantasy thing that came out. (laughs) Um, That's not possible anymore. Um, So you can try and get, you know, if you're really focused on one particular genre, you could potentially read all of the top selling, you know, things in a particular genre, but you're still going to have holes in your, in what you've read. And and when you're someone who likes as many different mediums as I do, and you get as passionately into the different things, and you get passionately into lots of things that have nothing to do with, with, you know, media in general, because I do spend a lot of time doing completely unrelated things, like, it starts getting to the point where you really have to use others as your filter. Um, Definitely. And, so. and, you know, for me, uh, tying this back to, you know, well, this is tied to conventions, but yeah. I, because I'm such an avid reader, I have always been the the person who had read the most in my <laughs> friend group. Uh, so there was no one in my friend group to ever recommend books to me. Um, <laughs> I actually think the last book recommendation I took from a friend was PJ Lynn recommending uh, Game of Thrones, and I've never forgiven him for that. I mean, um, <laughs> I sort of kind of recommended... Uh, um, name of the wind to you, although you were, I'm sure already Definitely. considering it at the point. No, but. no, you, you had. So, um, but you know, th- th- there had reached a point where I was so saturated in the genre, um, that nobody else was at my level. And you know, that, that's not a boast because I'm not, I don't even consider myself the most hardcore fan. And, but I, I didn't, I just didn't know anyone to recommend these books to me. And there had been times I'd been burned by going into the, you know, fantasy and science fiction section and just randomly grabbing a book and then reading the first, you know, hundred pages and being like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when you go to these conventions and you meet the other, you know, epic fantasy fans or hard sci-fi fans, because hard sci-fi is so hard to find. Not mm-hmm. That's almost ironic. But <laughs> well, and actually, so sorry, brief aside, Hard sci-fi is also a thing that so many people categorize things as hard sci-fi that aren't. Yes. So, sorry. Amen. Continue. Amen. <laughs> uh, that, you know, you, you don't even know what's out there anymore. And you're right. There, there is so much stuff on the shelf that you're just like, the discerning fan wouldn't like this. Or only certain kind of people would like this. Uh, for example, uh, not, not to pick on this book. But Aragon, you know, was really popular when we were in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everyone I knew read it. Um, 
And then I read it and I was like, why? <laughs> why is this popular? I don't understand. Like, I, I mean, I could have gone through and um, put citations in the book for every book it referenced. So uh, do you know, uh, did you end up reading the whole series? No, I did not. Okay, so I did. Um, it's not especially great or anything. I can tell you exactly why I read it instead of other things that I had on my shelf that I knew would be were better. I, well, part of it was just completion. But the thing that first got me into it before I realized it was going to be this huge thing was 100% just because the author was young. And that was novel to me. Um, which, you know, it read like a book by a young author. So, uh, <laughs> Which, you know, it, I... If if that book got you into the fantasy genre, you know, that's fantastic. Right. And I am not going to begrudge anyone the thing they love. But, I mean, that's pretty much the point when I realized I have outread everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so, by but by going to Dragon Con, you know, and especially the uh, sci-fi fantasy literature tracks, uh, just opened me up to a whole world of different books, you know, that I didn't have to just randomly pick off the shelf. Because now I knew that Wheel of Time fans are talking about this other author, uh, you know, Brandon Sanderson. Who is this person? Uh, <laughs> of course, now we all know that he finished the Wheel of Time. But, um, I like how you say we all as if that many people actually know. Hey, okay, <laughs> all the Wheel of Time fans. <laughs> but, but, you know, there was a point when he was an unknown. And... Um, you know, or you go to a science fiction panel for an author you like, say, um, I don't, Larry Niven was at Dragon Con this year. Yeah. And let's say you go to a Larry Niven panel because you like Larry Niven. Uh, and then Larry Niven recommends a book or other fans of Larry Niven recommend other science fiction books of a similar quality. And it's just like, these are people who have read as much, if not more than you, you know, like most of them have read more than me just because by the factor of being older, <laughs> you know, they have years to have read more books than me. So and, it's and there's uh, also the, fantastic. There's also the thing where you're always going to find someone who is more specialized than you, uh, no matter how specialized you are. And this is true in things completely unrelated to what we're talking about as well. But, and that's, that's the thing like my, I do go pretty deep on my interests, but I go so broad, too, that it limits that depth. You know, there's only so far. Like, I have slowed down. I mean, the last year is a good example. I started really reading comics maybe a year and a half ago at this point is when I really started getting into them. Um, and that has come at the expense of other things. I play a lot fewer video games than I used to. I read a lot fewer novels than I used to. Um, just because... I'm trying to essentially catch up on the backlog and trying to get really in depth in in comics, and I'm sure at some point it's going to equalize, and I'm going to slow down at my on my comic book reading again, you know, to the point where it starts to equalize out with other stuff. But because I keep going to more and more uh, more things, like I am not as I'm I'm up to date on where video games are and what recommendations are, but more and more of the recommendations that I pass to people when they're asking me for them are based on. You know, I, I have to tell people that, hey, I haven't played this, but from what I have heard of people whose opinions I trust on what the particular strengths are of this, you would probably like it, rather than a straight, hey, I played this, and because of this X, Y, and Z, I think you would like it. And um, and it's good, like, it's good that I do find those people whose opinions I trust, but Dragon Con and the online equivalents, you know, the, the so-called safe areas, that's where I get find those people. Um, Definitely. And, uh, but whenever I go to those places, I'm going to find people who do nothing but like video games are their medium. That's all they do, you know, is they play 
they play video and they play good video games and they do, but they're the ones who end up separating the, you know, the good from the bad for people like me who are less specialized on the, on them now, you know, and I used to be one of the, like in high school, um, I, I read more novels than I do now, but definitely video games were what I did most of the time. I mean, I, I would probably go through 30 or 40, like really lengthy video games a year, as well as lots of smaller ones. And now it's, you know, I'm lucky if I get through five or six long story based ones, just because I'm spending time on other things. Um, and and so I used to be one of the people who was sort of the opinion formers, and now it's more of a just educated, I have my history with games to understand you know, understand things, and I keep somewhat up to date, but it's more of kind of news and knowing what's out there through being informed by others. Um, and that's, again, that's what Dragon Con and geekdom and fandom as a whole is really good for, is helping, helping those who are less specialized or less in-depth on one particular genre, even if all you do is read novels, if you're somebody who reads many different genres of novels versus sticks to just one, then you can talk to the people who stick to just the one in order to get recommendations. Um, and then the people who stick to the one and are interested in potentially branching out can talk to you because you read stuff in their genre and know things that might be similar if in a different genre, you know? Um, Definitely. And, uh, to stray away from the recommendations topic now, because (laughs) I think we've discussed that enough. Uh, one of the other things I enjoy about fandom is, um, being able to appreciate what you love more in the sense of like, it's like an English class, but better. Like all the terrible things about English, because you're discussing these terrible books you don't like. Um, well, I like them, but I'm weird. It depends on the book. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting together with other fans and discussing these, whatever they are, book, TV show, uh, movie, uh, video game, and seeing what they liked about it and being able to just discuss it with someone else and... It, it it deepens your appreciation of uh, whatever it is. Um, I was recently having a discussion with a friend. Uh, I, some of my local friends have decided to start a um, a book group, which I, I have decided to join with some hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, book clubs are something that a lot of people uh, think in passing, whether they do it or not, oh, that would be fun, you know, to read a book and discuss it. Cause I think everyone appreciates that discussing something, um, uh, can helps. increase your appreciation. Right. Right. Um, but being in fandom, not, not just someone who reads things that have fandoms, cause there's a difference, right? Like yes. you could read epic fantasy and never be a part of fandom. You can read Harry Potter and never be a part of Harry Potter fandom. I mean, I, I, when it comes to Harry Potter fandom, I consider myself a periphery member. I'm not even like, I love Harry Potter. Like, I mean, obviously, Michael and I talked about it for five hours on this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the Harry Potter fandom goes so much deeper. And I didn't uh, go that deep into it because it, that was early days of the internet. There are a lot of reasons why. Um, but uh, when the where was I going with that? Oh, but okay. So, but I've never felt this thing missing from my life. Uh, the book clubness, if you will, because I had fandom and it's not even like I'm going to dragon con every week to discuss these books. It's the online places. Um, you know, one of my favorite websites that I check daily is tor.com. Uh, that's T O R.com. Um, and it's a basically fandom website, uh, that's run, uh, 
I, I, it's affiliated with Tor, the publisher. Um, so, of course, they have a lot of discussions about books published by Tor. Uh, so, you know, if you want to talk Wheel of Time, that's the place to go. They, they have in-depth Wheel of Time rereads where they discuss Wheel of Time a chapter at a time. And you might think, well, that's weird. I'm just reading uh, a post on it. Well, yeah, you read a post on it, and then you read the 200 comments on every post. Like, no joke. People... People discuss it and like it's not like the poster just posts it and goes away. It never comes back. She comes back and comments on people's comments and it's an actual discussion. Like people comment on each other's comments and they pull things out of it that nobody would have realized alone. And so it's like I have this weekly Wheel of Time book club that I go to. I, you know, it's really funny. I'm the same way because I'll, I'll go and I'll have – I'll have a conversation with a friend or a couple of friends who've, you know, maybe they read a book at my recommendation or something, you know, and I recommended it months early or earlier or a while. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of it and I'm a, a, even a part of the fandom of it. And these friends who aren't really big into, they don't get into many fandoms and things, or at least not the same sorts of things. They have this urge to talk to me about things. And I realize that because I'm part of the fandom, I'm privy to so much of the kind of conversation that, that we would have that I'm just like, I'm not just bringing my thoughts to bear. I'm bringing on like, you know, hundreds of other people's interpretations into this conversation with my friends once they've read it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I was like, well, to be honest, I didn't either until yeah. <laughs> until I, I, you know, I read it. Like, I had this thought, but then I see this other view. And I disagree with that, but you might think so. And they're like, oh no, I buy your explanation more. Well, I see that. I think that there's something there. And, you know, and it, it's that kind of thing that when I have done book clubs with people, which has been, they always end up falling through after a short time, which is disappointing. But when I have done them, like, <laughs> I feel bad because, like, I'm bringing, I'm bringing more to the table, not because I'm bringing more to the table, but because I'm bringing so much of this other stuff with yes. me. Like, you're bringing the knowledge of fandom with you. Right. And, and it's not like, you know, sure, some of it is mine. And maybe because I am part of fandom in general and because I have a deeper knowledge on the given genre or have absorbed more fiction than these other than the friends that I'm doing the book club with, maybe I have a little bit more to say than they do of my own because I'm also a part of fandom like I end up bringing a lot of that with me if we're not having a conversation immediately upon my finishing reading it. But, um, and that's something that, so, you know, you and I have talked about this before. And in fact, earlier today, when we were talking about something else, I brought up that I don't like doing commercials and trailers of things before having watched whatever it is. And that's the same thing with reviews, because I see reviews as a way of essentially like a private book club. Um, I wait until after I've read something, think about it, and then I will start reading reviews of things to sort of have a a book club in my head and see like what thoughts I like of some that somebody had to say about something, what I think about it, whether I can, you know, what thoughts that I really don't think are accurate or solid assessment of the work and that kind of thing. And I can't help it because that's just how I, how my brain works. And, and that, that's not something that I think comes entirely naturally to me. I think that's something that comes with getting into fandom is you start to sort of get hooked on that, that kind of deeper look in because you start to see how how invaluable that can be for helping you appreciate whatever it is you just watched as well as more things in the future because now that somebody else has pointed out you know a certain theme in the one work that you just read you're more likely to see it in something else it, um, it's also that it made me think of 
uh, to use an example, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I saw it and I, I was... I know we haven't talked about this on the podcast because I don't want to, uh, but I was crushed. Um, I was so disappointed and I came out of it and I was like, am I crazy? Uh, you know, and I thought about it for a while, what I didn't like about it, what I did like about it. And I, I was like, I feel like I must be crazy, you know, <laughs> that I didn't like this. Uh, but then I could go, I went and read like every review out there on Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, and it, uh, it made me feel better that I wasn't crazy. <laughs> Right, because a lot of what, like, you know, and this is, I'm going to get really briefly, because we mentioned this before, like, how, I don't want to say I disagreed with you, because I didn't disagree with you on what your opinion, like, what your view is of it, and what your assessment is of it, but, like, when you were telling me, I mean, I liked the movie, but when you were telling me about it, I can't really say that your criticisms aren't valid, because I see, and I understand all your criticisms, I just they weren't things that bothered me, right? Which is the thing that really good reviews and really good discussion come, brings out, is it's not about whether you disagree on opinion, it's more a matter of being able to break things down into what's actually there, and then determining what things mattered to to people actually viewing it, right? Um, right. And which things, like what element, because no matter how good a work is, there's going to be something that's not done especially well or not, and is whether the work establishes to you the elements that aren't done especially well versus the elements that are like which ones are significant to it. And because we do come into things with our expectations and our own, you know, and our own, uh, backgrounds, sometimes no matter how well or how poorly a piece of work does at establishing whether certain elements are important to what it's trying to do, they might still be important to you. Um, and that's, that's something, and that's the thing that I really like about reading good reviews versus bad reviews. Like bad reviews are the ones that just hammer something or praise it without establishing what it is they are hammering right. or praising about it, right? And right. and the ones who like the best reviews that I some of the best reviews, and this is especially like especially good and uh, significant in video games because there's so many different possible elements in video games. Like there is the aesthetic storytelling, there there's the aesthetics, there's the storytelling element, and then there's the, the sheer gameplay. And a really, really good video game reviewer will break things down and not to do the sort of by the numbers, this element gets a 4.0, this element gets a 9.0, none of that. But but they'll say like, hey, I thought this was an amazing piece of, of work in totality, this is why, yes, when you play this particular mechanic, it is really annoying. But that part of the mechanic is only a few parts, and so if you can get through those those individual parts, then these other mechanics are great and the story is great and it's totally worth it. And yes, it would still be better if those other things were, you know, were pulled out or improved. But if you're someone who that type of mechanic like makes you rip your hair out rather than just annoying you, you might want to skip this, you know, and, and those are the best kinds of best kinds of reviews and discussions. And again, that comes back to fandom. Like this, is the kind of conversation, like really good fandom is, starts to encourage more people to think that way um, to when they are criticizing things, because it gets people ready to listen to other people's affections for things and understand why people love the things they do, even if you're not going to end up loving it too. Right. And, um, you know, one of the dangers uh, in fandom uh, is the mob mentality to a certain extent. Uh, it can be hard to have the unpopular opinion. Yeah. Um, not, you know, if you're at a place as big as Dragon Con, uh, it's not so much a, a big deal because you can you can just go to the things you like. Uh, but when you're in smaller forums, um, 
it can be hard to realize that you're the only person who doesn't like the new Battlestar Galactica, uh, which would be me. <laughs> um, you know, and, and but you liked parts of it, right? I there are aspects of it that I think were well done. Okay, just, I was just clarifying uh, <laughs> that more for the audience. I already knew that we've had this discussion. Uh, but. Yes, <laughs> and it's one thing, you know, like one of the reasons why Michael, you and I get along so well, and why we agree to do this podcast with each other is because we both have the ability to recognize things we think are good and things we think are bad, uh, things that we think are good, well done, despite the fact that we don't like them, yes. um, and vice versa, and talk about them um, intellectually. Uh, part of the problem with fandom is people are so impassioned uh, that when you express an unpopular opinion, especially a uh, dissenting opinion, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it can cause backlash. Um, which is why I think it's so important, you know, like I mentioned earlier, safe spaces on the web. Uh, you know, there are certain places I just don't go online. I have friends who are Reddit addicts. I don't go to Reddit. No, I don't uh, Cause no opinion you express there will be taken well. No. <laughs> so, um, th- that actually reminds me of, uh, though, because we talked about this and how we do think, you know, so dissenting opinions can get crushed and stuff. And people, but a lot of the time, and this is true, this is not just a fandom thing, this is a humanity thing. Definitely. When people experience that, though, they they then think that a lot of the time we, we sort of feel almost, uh, feel like we ourselves are victimized if we are the dissenting <laughs> opinion. Um, and part of that is, well, was your opinion stated well and or and shut down immediately, or were you just being a rabid sort of, you know rapidly opposes something without being yeah. like, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Like if you said just, I didn't like it. And then you got yelled at, well, that's one thing. But if you're sitting there like, Oh, it was terrible. I can't believe any of you like it. So on and so forth versus saying like, Hey, I wasn't a fan of this and this I tend to like, you know, th- that's a whole different thing. Um, and one really good example. So Mandy, you and I both really like the incomparable podcast. Yes. Um, and we're, and I'm going to, I know you where up. you're going. Yes, you do. <laughs> And I think that that podcast generally has a pretty awesome, does a pretty good job of having a panel who genuinely, like, the vast majority of the time, they are overall pretty positive on the works they're talking about, even if they're more positive on others, on some than others. Um, sometimes there will be something that they all just don't like. And then sometimes, and most of the time, the dissenting opinions, they'll do a pretty good job of stating what they don't like, and others will sit there and argue about why they felt like that wasn't important to the experience, which is, I think, the right kind of discussion to have um or hey yeah i totally buy that it just didn't bother me you know um and that's great then there's one episode <laughs> which uh i don't necessarily don't encourage listen people to, it, to listen to <laughs> it is the avengers podcast episode where there is one particular listener who and mandy is not a fan of this guy because this is like the first time she ever this really is the first time i i listened to him and yeah. and i and i'm a big fan of this guy even though i disagree with him on like nine tenths of what he says i listen to his dedicated podcast because normally he is very meticulously respectful about dissenting opinions and analyzing exactly why he didn't like something and he just he had got he got so passionately anti the Avengers that the entire rest of the podcast was like, that's not reasonable. This other thing you just said isn't reasonable either. And it just turned into this whole, like the kind of dissenting opinion that if you're giving that sort of opinion in the way that he was saying it, you can't then like some people saying it that way would then feel like their, their dissenting view is being oppressed rather than, okay, I just presented this badly. 
you know, <laughs> which yeah. is, uh, so, so anyways, that's a kind of an aside to say that some just, you know, yes, it is a negative to fandom and a negative to the way humans talk about things they're impassioned about. But sometimes if you're the descending, the descending view and you are getting, you know, sort of yelled down, you might need to assess why it is you're getting yelled down. Are you getting yelled down because you're dissenting or are you getting yelled down because of how you're dissenting? Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I've found places online where, you know, most people are reasonable um, and you can have dissenting opinions and it not matter. Uh, a good example um, would be uh, in the Wheel of Time, there is a character uh, named, uh, well, depends on how you want to pronounce it, but I'm going to go with Gawain. But you could also say Gawain, because uh, he's clearly supposed to be based off of the uh, Knight at the Round Table of the same name. Um, I am a huge Gawain fan. Like, I adore him. Uh, granted, he's frustrating at times <laughs> because he is a teenage boy. And they're, you know. <laughs> but uh, Teenage boys? Frustrating? Oh, well, I never. What? I know, right, Michael? <laughs> when does that happen? When are teenagers ever frustrating? Um but most Wheel of Time fans are Gawain haters. Um, <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why I like him and most of the other fans don't is because when I was reading the Wheel of Time the first time, I was like 11 years old. And when I reread it the second time, I was like 16 years old. So I could completely understand this, you know, angsty teenager because... Those are the people I hung out with every day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I wasn't much of an angsty teenager, but, uh, sure, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I really wasn't. Uh, but I was an angsty teenager. I was definitely an angsty teenager. But, you know, I, I was coming from the perspective, like, a lot of people are like, they don't understand how the, the female lead character, uh, Egwene, or Egwene, depending on your pronunciations, uh, could like him because that was her love interest. And I was like, well, she's 16. I get it. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> when I was 16, I was in love with Gawain too. <laughs> so I can understand why Egwene's in love with him. And, uh, but I, you know, there are places online where we've discussed this and, you know, most people are like, oh, they hate Gawain. They think he's stupid, blah, blah, blah. But I could come in and be like, well, I understand why she likes him, blah, 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 blah. And people are like, oh, that makes sense. But I still hate him, you know, and that's hey, fine. <laughs> that reminds me of another thing, actually. So I, uh, I love Martha Jones in uh, Doctor Who. She's yes. by far my favorite companion in the series, bordering on my favorite character. Um, that is not a very common thing. I, I, I don't think like I and the only times I've met other people who have shared that have been at conventions. <laughs> um, I've met people and been talking and it's like, but I love Martha Jones. And somebody's like, me, too. I never meet anybody who likes Martha. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah, so I think Martha gets a hard rap just because of where she came. Yeah. But I have met other Martha Jones fans, but not in the same like in Albuquerque. So that doesn't help you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, but it's not, it's probably not as extreme a circumstance, but it's still, it's one of those, you know, I definitely have an opinion and, you know, and I don't like some of the popular, uh, popular companions, but, but it's kind of like, and granted, most of the time when I explain why I like them, people are like, okay, I get that, but I didn't like this element of Martha. And I'm like, eh, but, but that's, uh, but, you know, and, and it just, it bothers me, but at the same time, it's not like I get yelled down or anything most of the time. Right. Um, it's not, but, uh, but it's really nice to meet people at conventions who 
who I'll uh, meet somebody who's like, oh, my wife and I both love Martha. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you. Um, but, <laughs> You're my new best friend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it is it is really nice. Fandom conventions are a great way to find specifically... It, you know, people, especially there's the whole, you know, when you're in person, people are less likely to misconstrue what you're saying. And yes. You. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's that. And then there's the whole, uh, you don't have as much anonymity as you do on the internet because anonymity breeds people being dumb and yes. mean. Um, so yes, fandom as a whole, pretty awesome. It definitely expands my appreciation for the things that I do appreciate. And, um, and cons in general just make for huge this sounds weird huge growth in my geekiness and uh and i appreciate them for that um plus watching people who are so passionate about things that they put together some crazy awesome costumes is so much fun (laughs) the cosplay at dragon con is always amazing it's so good um yes so good uh, it's just lots of fun, and because clearly the people who are in those costumes are so excited to be in those costumes and so excited to see your reactions, and so you can just give them your excited reactions. Uh, if you see somebody who, you know, they're the pair, they're the couple from Saga, and they're, like, spot on, and you're like, oh my gosh, your costume is amazing! You don't even have to explain more than that, and because they understand that you know, with the way that my face lit up when I gave them that comment, that I understand exactly what it is, and have as appreciation, as firm appreciation of the work as they do, and they're like, thanks so much! We put a lot of work into this, and I'm like, I can tell. You got this tiny element right, you got this tiny element right, <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty amazing, and uh, just seeing things like that at Dragon Con, and yeah. I'm sure other conventions is pretty fantastic. And if you're at a convention, you should never hesitate to express appreciation to a cosplayer because they they appreciate it. And I was at a Wheel of Time panel, and the girl in front of me was wearing um, nothing to do with Wheel of Time. She was <laughs> she was wearing a cosplay of Sabriel from the Garth Nix book Sabriel. Um, and I mean that is something that if you have read that book, you can recognize it immediately. Um, there, there is no way it could be anything else. Uh, and e- even though it's just a page description, right? Like, it's not like something you've ever actually seen a picture of. Um, so after the panel was over, I stopped her and I was like, can I please take a picture of you? And she was like, yes. She was like, do you know who I am? I was like, yes, you're Sabriel. She was like, thank you. You're the first person today to recognize me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, and you know, the reason for that is those books did come out in the 90s. So it's not as popular now, you know, as it once was. Um, but she was so happy that I recognized her and recognized the work she put into that costume and that it was spot on. I mean, she even had the charter marks on her bandolier. So <laughs> it was like perfect. <laughs> oh, I love cosplay. I do too. I wish I could sew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could probably learn. You know, I probably could, but weren't we just talking about how you can only spend so much time on so many things? Yes, yes, we were. (laughs) And learning to sew would take away from all the time I spend reading and writing and reading. (laughs) So, speaking of breadth versus focus and time, um, 
we on this podcast we've taken a pretty lengthy hiatus now and uh we're getting ready to pick up and continue again and so uh we just wanted to tell our listeners what we're sort of what direction we're going to go um we have had some pretty broad really like really broad thematic uh themes that we did in the you know, in the first 10 episodes, um, we talked about things like, um, sympathetic villains and continuity in general, things like that. Um, but we also have been pretty focused. Like for instance, we did three episodes by accident on Harry Potter. Um, (laughs) and I think that from what I can tell our, uh, our more focused ones seem to be tighter, uh, sort of tighter experiences. And so I myself would like to do more of those. Um, that said, that's not to say if we don't come up with an awesome broad theme, broad topic that we can't come back to them because I think that those discussions have also been pretty good. Um, so, uh, I guess expect, uh, as listeners expect coming up some more focused ones. We're definitely, we've been mentioning it on Twitter and we've unfortunately put it off a bit longer, but we're going to be doing some Avatar The Last Airbender episodes and Legend of Korra episodes, especially now that Legend of Korra is back on the air. Um, That's kind of rekindled my desire to hurry up and get these knocked out. Um, But uh, we're going to be doing one per season, one episode per season, so be prepared for that. Um, And if you haven't watched the show, the shows, watch it, watch them, because you need to. And we love them to death, and they are going to be spoilerific episodes <laughs> because <laughs> I am—I mean, I have pages upon pages upon pages of notes on on uh, like per season, and uh, have I have episode-specific notes. So uh, those will be fun, um, and we're also going to do some other things that'll be a little bit broader than that, but still focused on individual worlds or universes of subject matter. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. I, I think, uh, we're going to be hopefully not hopefully we're certainly going to get better and better at this podcasting thing as we go and, uh, just kind of get hone our, our unified voice, I think. Um, and I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to how it turns out. So, um, yeah, Mandy, anything you'd like to add on directions that you think, uh, that you would like our listeners to know on sort of how we intend to take things? Uh, no, they should all watch Avatar The Last Airbender, though, because it might be one of the greatest television shows ever. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, like, <laughs> man, I am I'm so reluctant to say things like that just because I love something. But it, it's really not. The rewatch has been... The rewatch... Because I recommended that you watch it, but I hadn't watched it in a while. I had watched it twice through, maybe three times through already before I recommended it to you, but I hadn't rewatched it. And so the recent rewatch is just... It's so good. It is, there is so much depth to it from the beginning to the end. And when you rewatch it, you realize how much there is there that you didn't realize the first time through. Just, it is, I'm not going to say it's, you know, that there aren't better shows out there, but there are a lot of live action shows that are heralded as some of the best shows ever. And they are not as clearly thought through as Avatar The Last Airbender is. It is one of those issues that I have with a lot of pieces of media that I like that continue on for a while is eventually you see that people get to the limits of where they were thinking of, and they have to figure out how to do something interesting. And they do so successfully. I mean, Harry Potter, we this we got into this in our Harry Potter discussions, how, yes, J.K. Rowling did a fantastic job of tying one, like, you know, tying in one book together 
and tying, you know, any set of two books together, but there were clearly things that she hadn't thought through all the way to the end because there was a long time ahead of time and who she didn't know what Harry Potter was really going to become. Um, but Avatar doesn't have that. Like, you know, from the very beginning, you can see where things, where details that aren't used until later come from. Um, the, the world... Yeah, go just, we're going to have a whole podcast on Avatar, Michael. I know. So, so just I'm just saying. That contain is, that, your excitement. That is something. Oh, there's my excitement has no end, no bad <laughs> So I'm just trying to encourage people to please, like, you want to, you want to have gone through the series at least once in order to listen to what, it, in order to listen to our upcoming conversations on these seasons, because I at least, and I know Mandy will too, we're going to get pretty detailed on little things you may have noticed or may not have noticed your first time through that just show a lot of depth there. Um, and uh, yeah, so totally worth it. And then I I don't know if you get through those three seasons, I don't know that you'll be able to contain yourself from just jumping straight into The Legend of Korra. So, uh, I know I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yes oh and speaking of just little random thing because i don't have time for a post show um there's been news about new harry potter movies yes yes so, yes there has so i guess we'll see how that comes um it's good to know that jk rowling is involved uh heavily so um we'll see if she can translate to screenwriting <laughs> or not but uh yeah fun times if you don't if you aren't aware of that look it up you'll see what we're talking about um uh with that i don't really have much else to say today do you mandy no all right well great um i guess thanks listeners for turning for tuning back in for the first time in a while um it has is my pleasure to be back recording and i am looking forward to the next i guess pseudo season of trivially crucial to keep up with us you can follow Mandy on Twitter at brown underscore Aja. That's brown underscore A-J-A-H. You can follow me at A-U-H-I-M. You can follow the show and at uh, Triv Crucial. And you can follow and you can check out our site that has, on rare occasion, <laughs> uh, individual blog posts, but also is where the, the podcast is hosted at triviallycrucial.com. And that's it. Until next time, peace out.